Welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop roleplaying and escape room puzzles. Today, it's another bonus episode. We're not doing our new room yet. Just, hold, just patient. Okay. How many bonus episodes is it before it stops being bonus and starts being lazy? More than two. Excellent. So today's another bonus episode. We're going to continue talking about how to make rooms, but rather than talking about the whole sort of structure of putting a room together, we're talking a little bit more generally about puzzle design and how to make puzzles and what Danny does when she makes puzzles. This is going to be a very interesting conversation because unlike with the room design, I don't have a particular clear-cut method for creating the actual puzzles. If someone asked me where I get my puzzle ideas from, it's exactly the same as asking any author, where do you get your ideas? I don't know. They exist in my brain thing. So this may be a little bit haphazard and all over the place. All right, well, I'll, I'll try and ask, as a person who doesn't do this, I'll try and see if we can follow some kind of pattern and maybe we'll get somewhere. So this is useful for people listening. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't listened to the first bonus episode, I made a basic shape of a room that was set on a pirate ship. So we'll be referring back to that occasionally as we, as we talk about puzzle design and sort of fitting puzzles into a situation. So the first thing I want to talk about is we mentioned this a little bit on the previous bonus episode, this sort of delineation between puzzle puzzles and environmental room puzzles. Yes. So what's the difference between the two? Puzzle puzzles, as we like to call them, are the ones that you could pretty much find anywhere. They could be almost transplantable from room to room or not in an escape room, just in any other puzzly environment. Whereas the other kind, what do we call them? Environmental puzzles? Yeah. They're the ones that are designed for the room. They have to be there. They are about the things that you found in the room. With a pirate ship, this is the puzzle that involves a mast. It's the thing that involves the ocean around you. The things you couldn't just easily put in your spaceship room. My first thought of like a puzzle puzzle is something as simple as, say, in room two, there was a number progression. Mm -hmm. There was, it was one, four, nine, sixteen, and we needed the next two in that sequence. This is sort of independent of the situation. That is a basic puzzle, which got us four digits. Mm -hmm. So this this is a a puzzle puzzle. You wanted four digits. You knew somewhere there was a four-digit code, so you built a number puzzle, which in this case was purely mathematical that got us to four numbers. Exactly. Same thing can be done with letters, shapes, whatever. And the only tricky part there is finding ways to actually incorporate them into your room without being too on the nose, without it just being, you find a piece of paper with some numbers on it. It is hard to avoid that. And in real life escape rooms, even more so, you will find a lot of pieces of paper that Mm. just have numbers written on them. I suppose another more recent example, I'm just trying to think of ones that would fit into this classification as puzzle puzzles, would be, say, in the Human Body, episode 14, where most of the puzzle solving was environmental, Mm. but there was that section needing to solve the Morse code Exactly, which was pretty much, I think, the only puzzle puzzle in that room because as time has gone by, I've tried to steer clearer from it. In the earlier episodes, I was trying to keep in my head 
a little bit more of the escape rooms in real life that I'd done and try to keep a bit truer to that. And they do have lots of locks and puzzle puzzles in them. But whenever you look at surveys and things, as I've found on the internet, done by people who like escape rooms, one of the big things that survey respondents often talk about is how they want everything in it to be more immersive, more theme-based. So clearly, puzzle puzzles, unless they're done really extraordinarily, it's very easy for them to take you out of it a little bit. Fair enough. And demerse you. And so I suppose that's maybe a difference as well between if we take those two puzzles, for example. In episode two, it was, there is a four-digit lock, here is a maths problem that gives you four digits. Mm. Very puzzly, puzzly. Whereas the one in episode 14 was, here are some uh, letters which, if you solve them, become becomes a phrase that is thematically relevant. It was a thematically relevant phrase to the situation. Look how I've grown over the episodes. And then when we, when we solve the rest of that puzzle, it still gets us not as clear an option as four digits. It was a series of dots and dashes mm-hmm which we then used in an environmental way to... Yeah. I say we, I wasn't playing the room. <laughs> um, so I suppose they start to to mix a little bit more. Yeah, and I won't say I do this perfectly. I will. But just there are different levels of it. Like in some rooms, you can just find a piece of paper that's got digits on it. Then find a piece of paper that has a puzzle on it to get you the digits. And then find a piece of paper that has a puzzle on it that leads you to the way to use the room. Sure. All of them can be valid. It just depends on, well, what your room is like. And honestly, a little bit, how much effort you're willing to put into it. Because it's hard. It can be really hard to make these work. And if you go through my rooms and do a count, you'll find I only use a maximum of three puzzle puzzles per room now. I don't know Mm. what it was at the start. But yeah, not that many. Fair enough. Before we move on to more environmental puzzles, why don't we sort of have a look at what we what we could do if we were making a puzzle puzzle, yeah. where we would start. Because also this dip- isn't a don't use puzzle puzzles no. thing. They have to be used in some ways. And they're satisfying. People like puzzles. Exactly. You know, people enjoy escape rooms because they enjoy exactly. puzzle solving. So we've talked kind of, we've brought up two different sort of types of puzzle, a number-based puzzle, a word-based puzzle. And I think you touched on this a little bit in the last episode, you're talking about like number puzzles, word puzzles, shape puzzles, like you sort of broke them down. I did mention that a little bit. Now, I hadn't really thought about this in an active way while I was designing any of last year's rooms, but I did get as a Christmas present a book, The Penguin Book of Puzzles. And it is, as it sounds, it's just a big book of puzzles and their solutions. And what this book does In each chapter, it separates it into the type of puzzles. So if we look at the contents of it, it's got early puzzles, the really old traditional Sphinx-esque puzzles, ones that have been around for hundreds of years. Sure. Then the next chapter is mathematical puzzles. So those will be the ones that you could use to straight up get your numbers. You can have them as patterns. You can have them as almost like a typical question you might get on a kid's maths test, except the trial and error-y kind, not the ones that involve real math skill Sure. to get out of there. 
Like, you have a son and a mother, and the son says, Oh, mother, in a year I will be a third your age, but in four years I'll be half your age. <laughs> yes. How old are they? And then those numbers can be your clue, because you don't need real skill to do that. I have no idea if those numbers worked out. I'm very curious. I probably accidentally made the son negative four years old or something. Sure. So after the maths puzzles, they have geometric puzzles as their chapter. So all the ones involving shapes, rotating them, filling in geometric patterns in that sort of way. Now, I assume something like that may be a little bit harder given our medium. For us, yes. It's certainly the sort of thing that you could see in a real escape room because you have the ability to move things around. To physically around. move things, yes. Yeah. Whereas we barely have the ability to visualise those things. Exactly. It's much harder and I do, I do try to avoid too many visual things mm. and certainly things where staring at them is the main way that you solve them. Yeah, so they're not usually really a big mm. sort of part. No, but in a real room for geometric things, a big one is... Things like looking at shapes from different angles or folding pieces of paper mm. to sh reveal a message, that sort of thing. So after geometric puzzles, this one is a pretty important one. Logical and lateral thinking puzzles. Mm. Now, the ones in the book and the ones you'll see if you try to Google this sort of thing are the ones that you kind of want to punch. You hate them. They're these... Ones where it's, oh, two people are alone in a room and suddenly they both explode. What happened? And somehow you're meant to figure that dynamite. out. Oh, that's far too simple. There are about four steps to the answers of, of these of things. Sorry, I, I really hate those puzzles. <laughs> they really annoy me. Oh, Martha and John are in the middle of the room surrounded by water and they're both dead. What happened? Oh, they're fish. Of course they're fish. <laughs> Shut up. But... What I will say is that logic and lateral thinking puzzles, they're more the ones that you can tailor to your room and make them environmental puzzles. Mm. Because a lot of what you'll want in your room that leads to another thing, you'll want some sort of lateral thinking. Like, you won't necessarily just have a coin in your room and say, oh, I want it to go in the money box. That's... It might work for a real room, but it's also not that thinky. It's just straight yes. forward. You want to think, ooh, what else does a coin do? What else do I know about coins that could lead to a solution somewhere else? Oh, a coin has a picture of a queen on it. Is there a queen anywhere else in the room that I can associate with it? Is there a king somewhere in the room? I don't know. Yeah. Look. I'm I'm making this up on the spot. Sure. So after after this sort of logical lateral thinking... After that... They've got word puzzles. Yep. Tend to be a favourite of mine. I don't know how much I tend to use them, but these are the ones where you try to get answers based on riddles. Sure. So it might just be that you want a number or a certain word, but you have to solve a riddle to get there. I'm going to find an example of one of these riddles that's a favourite of mine from this book. So it's called Numerical Enigma. I am composed of seven letters and my whole is a plant. My one and two is a preposition. My five four three is a kind of carriage. My three two seven one is something worn, and my six and seven means partnership. Now I won't. I, sh should I go into what the answer to that Please. is? Please. So the way you do it is you would just leave spaces for the seven letters, mm. and you try to use those mini clues: preposition, carriage, something worn, and partnership to figure out the letters to make this whole word. Okay. 
And while the ones in this book like this can be a little hard for a real escape room where you're on a timer and you don't have time to just sit and think of all the plants you know and all the carriages you know, they simple ones can be a nice addition in that way. Uh, this one, what you've got, my one and two is a preposition. So just a two-letter preposition. There are a couple so that you can think of. of or in. Of, on, in, to. Cool, so you've got a few options there. Kind of carriage, again, it's three letters. A car. Could be a car, that seems pretty valid. Something worn, that's four letters. Something, like, mm. worn? Yeah, that something that you would wear with four letters. Like a coat? Yeah, coat, shoe, sock. Still a few options. The last one is a good place to start. The sixth and seventh together mean partnership. So just a two-letter thing that means partnership. Hmm. I'm, I'm not sure. Hmm. Without looking at it, it can be a little bit tricky, but what that wants is co, C-O. Okay. So now you know that something worn, the third letter is an O. Oh, because the letters are doubled up. Yeah. Of course. So you need a four-letter thing where the third letter is O. That is all could be a shoe. You've worn. It could be a shoe. It's not a shoe, but it could be a shoe. If you actually wrote down the letters as you were trying to fit them in, you'd start to notice that that was a bit weird. Like, that's 3271, which would mean that to write shoe, you'd have an H followed by an S in the real answer. Of course, and also my last letter would be E, which is the first letter of the word. Yes. Which so. doesn't make sense, a two-letter two preposition. No, not so much. Mm. So you want it to end with an O, an I, a T, something that could start the preposition. Okay. Oh, so if it ends with a T... So an O-T. That could be boot instead of shoe. I like it. Boot. So now you have that the first three letters are T-O-B, and it ends with Co. Tabasco. Yeah, that's the plant. <laughs> Tobacco. Yes, meaning the kind of carriage was a cab, of not course, a car. Of course, which makes much more sense. Hmm. And then you would have a full answer of tobacco. Again, Lovely. that took us several minutes just here, so too much for an actual room. But the same but principles. It's good inspiration. Hmm. So, word puzzles that you sort of. So, if we, if we look at sort of that word puzzle sort of thing. Um, going back to that example from episode 14, you had um, words within words that could be turned into letters. So it, the example here was to get the word move. Oh, of course. It was M-Z-E-R-O-V-E. Mm. So if you saw that zero was in there and replaced it with just an, an O, mm. it made the word move. And lim was the other word, which had a L one in it. L-O-N-E. <laughs> MB, so yeah. that one becomes... So that's a nice sort of trick, being able to make words that could turn into other words. Definitely. It's almost like a cryptic crossword clue. <laughs> so you can do things like that. You can do ones where the first letter of every word is important. That's you... a classic one. Ac acrostics are a exactly. very common way. If you're trying to get people to find a message that is hidden, like a word puzzle acrostics are very, very helpful. We've done those in a, quite a few rooms. Yeah. Now, the hard part there, and doing it in one of our rooms versus a real escape room, very different matters. You have to know how to present them so that it's tricky but not too tricky mm. to spot. I know one of them was quite good uh, when you were doing, in episode 
seven, I'm forgetting the numbers, the dentist room. Yeah, yeah. Where we had to get a, an acrostic from that. But because it was on someone's, uh, a de- like a degree or a plaque, mm. none of the, the lines weren't, they were all centred. So the left side of each line wasn't next to the one below it. They were yeah. they were they were indented differently, and which people, meant that it wasn't easy yeah. to see it straight down. But it was still an easy puzzle to get. Mm. Yeah, and some rooms will actively give you a piece of paper, and the letters that you're supposed to look at are in a different font than the others, or something, which is very or they're capitalised, which yeah is a little bit easier. But depending on who your audience is, sometimes that's that is what true. they want, and. When we're just talking, that degree puzzle, I showed you a visual. I showed the players a visual to get that. Because if I just read out what was on it, it's impossible. Mm. So you have to be very aware of how you present the puzzles to make them solvable. And that's where having playtesters is very handy. Definitely. And being in a position where you're okay with giving an appropriate number of hints. So in terms of word puzzles, acrostics work quite well. Hiding words within other words works quite well. Um, we've done certain ones where people need to adjust the words, sort of. I know we've done one, again, in episode seven, where the syllables were out of order. So you had to oh, rearrange yeah. the syllables of words. Anything you can sort of do to, to mess around with the shape of a word is, is helpful. Pretty much. Um, spelling issues as well. I know one of them actually was an acrostic where we misspelled certain words, which... <laughs> Which keyed, which clued people mm. into there being an acrostic. Are there any other general sort of ways to build a word puzzle? Often, often an acrostic is good because you can solve the puzzle to obtain a command. Mm. You know, if you have or or a location. You know, uh, one of them was uh, told us to check someone a certain part of something of someone's body in a room, and we then went on to find the rest of the clue. What was this? Wayland's calf. Oh, yeah. In episode 12. Oh, that was fun. So acrostics are quite good because you can get a fairly robust message. Check sake from room Mm. two, which then got us a number. That was a way for a word to get us a number. And if you think that something like an acrostic is going to be too obvious and people are going to see that faster than you want, you can hide words within words in any ridiculously hard way you want, as long as elsewhere in your room there is a clue telling you what to do to it. Which can be a good way to make things a bit more full and have a few more bits and pieces to it. Mm. It just can be hard if your people are good enough that they see your hidden message before they get the helpful hint. That is true. That so is again, true. you've got to really be careful with your difficulties. Sure. So these puzzles, if acrostics are a nice way to send people to other things, which can, which as we were going through in our last episode... Uh, lets people move to the next point in the chain that they've built up Mm. between items. For example, episode two, where one clue started a chain because it told us to check sake, which gave us a code which we could then Mm. use to unlock something. Oh, sorry, uh, spoilers. Spoilers everywhere, Oh, there's so many spoilers. So are there any other sorts of general ways to make puzzles out of words, a a word-based puzzle? Man, you can always, if you're feeling like wasting people's time, you can throw a whole crossword in there if you want. (laughs) That's true. The hard part is it can be really tricky to make sure you're not using too much assumed knowledge. Mm. So there are lots of words out there and you have to make sure that you're not going to accidentally 
go overboard and be too verbose or too... Yes. So, for example... Dictionary happy or thesaurus happy. Yes, you don't want to go into crazy cryptic crossword territory where you have a picture of a sailor on the wall, which means someone should grab a barrel of tar because tar is an archaic word for sailor. Exactly. Whereas in my pirate ship room, I may try and get the word... In my head, I was thinking of of definitions that go to other words... Um, yeah, you can be a little bit thesaurus happy if you like. Yeah, especially I, if you give that sort of information somewhere as well, if it's findable, if it's too complicated. That's true. Like, I tried to, I can't remember, I think it was in the musical-themed room, and I'm pretty sure somewhere in there I had the clue that was meat of pigs. Mm. And I think I was just for looking ham. for ham. Yeah. So hopefully that wasn't too... Obscure, that people yes. didn't know that ham was made of pigs. But it, again, can be a tricky line to be on. That's true. Whereas, say, for example, I needed to lead someone to steer the ship in a certain way and I wanted a word puzzle, I could do things like... Man-cow. Yeah. Or is it a... Is it, a, um, is it specifically a, a castrated cow, a steer? Oh, uh, maybe? Can't remember. So if I maybe if I had that information available, I could use that. Or we could do something like... Yeah, if like, on your pirate ship there was a book of cows. Yes. You know, I could get the word steer from that by thinking of an, of an analogy... For, not an analogy. Thinking of a synonym for steer and building that up in, in a clue. And mm. then maybe something to do with, like, astrology plank to get starboard. And then they will steer something <laughs> starboard on the ship. Yeah. You could have, if one synonym doesn't feel like it's going to be enough, you could have one thing about the cows and then another, I don't know if steer has that many synonyms, but a different Multiple synonym synonyms again. synonyms, which will then just, lead you to the, Exactly. Once similar. you've collected all of these different synonyms together, you can figure out they are all trying to tell you the same word. Yeah. And then when you know that word, that then leads you to the next part mm. of this room or is the code that you need to put into something or, or, or anything mm. like that. Maybe it's how I decode the map in my pirate yeah. ship room. For or oh, for example, um, for the for the map, maybe if if someone's trying to decode this map, there may be um, lefts and rights and all these other things, or or certain islands. It might be a chain of islands that have names on the maps, and then you can have a word based clue that if the islands' names all start with unique letters. All I would need is a clue that got me a series of random, what seemed like random letters. Mm. I could get a, a, a clue that take that says take the X number of each of these random words, and then I end up with like Q F Z T W. But that's the first initial of a series of islands that you have to follow. That's yeah. how you decode the map. So ways word puzzles are often quite useful at, at in making environmental puzzles work. Exactly. The only downside with that sort of thing can be that the instructions you want to give often are going to be more than just four or five mm. letters. Sometimes the instructions you want to give can be about 20 letters and giving people 20 letters it's to find yes. can be exhausting for yes, everyone. Yes, you don't want to give too much. I know. I had this problem with a room that I was just writing recently. I had to come up with a word-based instruction and I just sat there thinking, okay, what is the fewest number of letters that I can possibly say this in? Yes. And I was stuck at about 13 and going, no, can't make it 13 separate letters that you've got to work out from this list of, from this alphabet. There's got to be some way to make this instruction shorter. Hmm. 
Um, and other ones that we've that we've done sort of um, conspicuous mistakes we've worked in mm. in a few different ways. Um, missing letters, and then you collect all those missing letters to form a sentence is is a classic way to do a, a, a puzzle like this. If certain words are uh, maybe marked differently, I know once we did actually that was a very good one as a word puzzle that was also a geometric puzzle. Um, mistakes in the stenographer's notes for episode mm-hmm. 12 made points that when you connected them spelled out letters. Ah, that's right. Which was a very good mix. Or um, or David did a certain similar one in, in episode 15 where he used the boats in a game of Battleship, set up criteria by which those boats could be placed, which spelled out a mm. word. Speaking of Battleship, there's still one more chapter of puzzles in this Ooh, Penguin Book of Puzzles. what is the final chapter? Uh, modern puzzles. Modern puzzles? Yeah, I don't know what their definition of modern is in this, because some of them I would say are a little bit questionable, but some of them are Battleship-based ones, where they've given you a grid and some certain criteria, and they've asked you where you can fit Battleship things in. Other ones are essentially games of mastermind, where they give you a bunch of letters and they tell you which ones are correct and in the right place, correct and Ah, in the wrong place, and you've got to figure out what the final word is, things like that. Mm. So more games-based, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's a nice way to do things as well. Things where if you search that puzzle page of your newspaper that still exists, then you'll find things like that. Yeah, and if you were making rooms, say, uh, for people that you knew, you could use puzzles that were more specific to their 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 sort of fields yeah, of knowledge and absolutely. skill. Absolutely, like, I know I... people on the puzzle subreddit, which is also a good way to to look at extra puzzles if you want to. You can go to the Reddit slash r slash puzzles. Um, sometimes I, I find very... those people a little bit. Well, not the people. I find the puzzles those people post a little bit insane. That is true. But they do often they'll do things that are like chess puzzles. Mm. And if you have, if you know chess and you have chess friends, make a chess puzzle. Mm. Chess puzzle is quite good because your answers can very often come in the form of like knight to a3, that's ka3 and then that's the code mm. somewhere else. You know they are, they are puzzles that get you clear numeric results. I hope. I don't know chess puzzles. <laughs> so the other puzzles that we do that are common are we can do numeric puzzles. Now, obviously, numerical puzzles can be sometimes simpler because you have a number that you need to get to, mm-hmm. or ideally, the number doesn't even really matter. It's in some cases, you just want I want a four-digit number. How do I get four digits? And then, as we said at the start, a number pattern that has two two-digit numbers next. That's four digits. Mm. Or think Any of, kind of mathematical process gets you four digits. And think of the other places that you can find numbers in the world. You can have money. You can have a year that you're trying to yes, figure calendar out. calendar dates. You can try to get someone's birthday. I know Clothes that sizes. people have done that. Ooh. I'm just thinking of I don't think I've numbers. done that one. We'll do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, numbers from the environment to then make mm. the puzzle. Again, making sure it interacts with stuff in the room. For instance, in your pirate ship, you do have some coins on Which a table. Which have numbers on them. Yeah, could be what you're after. Numbers yes. on coins. Anything else that you can see in your items uh, that the could be barrels, The barrels could definitely have different, like, this is X number of pounds of something. This mm. is this many pounds of that. Um, again, could be a possible relation to maps, because if you think... I would have goods with a weight. It could be like if I'm and I have a, a map which could have a grid. So if I have 
seven kilos of grain. That's G7. If I have 12 pounds of tar, that could be T12. That's a big map. (laughs) Or S12, because tar means sailor. Um, So so that is also a good way to to obtain numbers, get numbers from your environment. Mm. Then they are used in a puzzle. Yeah. Often... When I'm trying to do things like that, I will make my room design and I will say, cool, I need a puzzle to get from this thing to this thing. And let's say I haven't done a number puzzle yet in this room. Let's make it numbers. And then I'll come up with it based on that. Mm. The decision to make it a number puzzle is utterly arbitrary. It's also a good way, um, environmental things, you can mix environment, the word, sorry, a word puzzle and number puzzles by, say, having a sheet of, like, a list or an instruction that is, like, I wanted some tar, so I went to the 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 table and I found the thing. And then each it's of those fun coming up with puzzles right, on the spot, isn't uh, you it? Know, so and then I needed more rope. So I, and then each of those things Gives that are sort of order. at the end of a line has a number associated with it. Yeah. There are two barrels of tar. There's six feet of rope. There's so and then you can get four numbers that you've gone throughout the ship to find. And that's there you go. Look, I've got four numbers again. Yeah. And that manages to incorporate the most important thing about puzzle puzzles, which is if you are going to give instructions of some sort, which are very often quite necessary, to do them in character. Yes. Yes. It makes it's, And it's easy to do, right? Hmm. Yeah. Like, it might be weird if your pirate captain has a crossword sitting on his bed. Yes. That might be normal, but there'll be some ways to get words that you can do a bit more in character, like... Having a captain's log with some bits yeah, and pieces Yeah, or a ship's ledger of things yeah. we stole this month. Even if you want to be a bit obvious and have a captain's log in which he says, Yar, old Petey gave me this puzzle to do and I can't solve it. <laughs> Very Professor Layton. he said he'd hidden the treasure based on the answer. Yes, yeah, exactly. So those are good ways to build um, puzzles and then also to, to tie them into the environment. Mm. So that is, in general, how to make puzzle puzzles for your room. And honestly, a big part of it is to try and find those puzzles and do them. Go to places like Reddit, if you can find those puzzles. Or, buy this or books, Penguin Book of buy Puzzles. Buy a book of puzzles. Look at different... Play your Professor Layton games. Play Professor Layton. Play any kind of sort of puzzle-based thing, which is pure puzzles. And then you can see how you can take those principles and apply them into these sorts of rooms. Lots of people have asked me, where do I get my puzzles from? Like, do I take them from places? And no, not exactly. I never see a puzzle and say, oh, yep, I'm going to use that one. It's just the ideas of it. Like, I've got a riddle coming up in one of my rooms, and it's not a riddle I've seen somewhere before. I just read in this Penguin book of puzzles a whole bunch of riddles, and I thought, I can do that. (laughs) Um, And of course... If you need any, if you want any feedback on puzzles that you've made or any kind of help in make putting together a puzzle puzzle, there are lots of people who are willing to offer that. And also, probably us. Send it. Oh, yeah, totally. Send us a really cryptic message that we're supposed to solve that. Well, not too creepy. (laughs) Looks really messed up. Uh, But yeah, if you want to, if you want any help making puzzles, any questions or any feedback on puzzles that you've made, we love puzzles. So send them to us. Send them to escape this. No. Yeah, escape this pod at gmail.com. Tweet them at us so other people can see them. Uh, yeah, Ask this, this podcast at Twitter. That's not how tweets work, whatever. This would be more as a 
we're puzzle fans thing, not we are puzzle making experts and oh, can course. properly there critique are many you better on a design people. level. There are many better, pe- better people, but I like getting new puzzles. So send us puzzles if you have them. Yeah. And if you want help on puzzles, if you want any feedback on whether you think a puzzle works or, or if you're stuck while making it, send us an email mm. or, or a message on Facebook or tweet at us. We'd love to help out. Mm. Now, that being said, let's move on to the other type of puzzle that goes into these rooms, which are more general environmental interaction puzzles. Yes. Taking one object and mixing it with another object, following a, a trail around a room. Mm. Is there? What, what do we do when we, we're trying to do that? How do you put that together, Danny? This is where it gets really tricky to describe. I don't know. A lot of them will just feel like they come naturally. Like, what's one of the arrows that you've got in your list of arrows that you made in the last episode? Um, we had a starting from freeing yourself from the chair, mm-hmm. which I think we wanted to solve a puzzle puzzle to do. Okay. Um, we go to the bed, which takes us to coins, which takes us to the door, which will get us out of the captain's cabin. Okay, so going from the coins to the door, perhaps... You could, as we said, just put some numbers on the coins or things like that to make mm. it work. But maybe there's a more interesting way of getting out this door. Maybe there are somewhere that the coins need to go. Yeah, maybe they insert into mm. the door, for example. Yeah. But again, this is slightly verging on puzzle puzzle. It is. It, it is possibly. Mm. But uh, yeah, maybe what actually happens is you knock on the door and someone won't let you out unless you pay them. Exactly. Then, with coins, you can pay them. Mm. We haven't solved a crazy puzzle, no, but we've used the is... environment to to interact in a reasonable way. Yeah, this was a very simple way of doing it. What you would actually do to make this a more complicated puzzle is have the coins hidden in places, not have enough coins, need to make fake coins, something yes. like that. Yes, some kind of coin press yeah. that- turns things into fake coins. But what we have there is a way to use coins and interact with the environment doing Mm. so. So because they are environmental, a lot of them you could think, well, what would this thing be? How could I use it? And then just use it that way. Yeah, you start... This is why I always start by drawing a picture of my Mm. room because the objects that naturally go in the room will naturally have some puzzles that go with it. Like way back with the very first room we did, Alex's bathroom... The one thing that I was still really happy about with that one was the mirror. There was just... Yes, that had to fog up. Yeah. You had a shower that could only be really hot. You had a mirror. When you turned on the shower full blast, it fogged up the room. And people had to know then to look at the mirror before turning the shower off. And they could see this message that had fogged up on it. Mm. Because... That's what happens in a bathroom. When you picture a bathroom with various things going on, a fogged up mirror is pretty classic. So another one, for example, in this pirate situation is I have a cannon. Mm. Now, a cannon is good because immediately you want to fire a cannon. So perhaps the firing of this cannon, which is something you want to do, could be either like, could almost be the end goal of a series Mm. of, of things. So for example... There's something underneath the cannon. You can see something underneath it, right? Ah, but just trying to tug but on it you, doesn't work. You are no way strong enough to move this cannon. However, you do know from experience that cannons move when they fire. If they're not, yep. if they're not held down, or for example, you could describe the cannon in a certain way. So you say the cannon has four hooks um, attaching it to the deck so that it doesn't slide back and move when it's fired. Player then thinks. 
okay, maybe if I remove those and fire it, it'll move exactly. and I can get the thing under it. Great one. They remove the pins, but then they can't fire the cannon because they don't have any matches. Later on, they find matches and they think, oh, I can fire the cannon. Light the match, cannon still won't fire because there's no gunpowder. Then they look around up the top of the deck. They, they find also find gunpowder. Yep. They've now pulled up the bottom of the cannon. They found gunpowder. They found a match. All of things, these things together fire the cannon. The cannon rolls back, and you get a fun mm. description of a rolling cannon smashing into things. And then if there's then any step underneath that forgotten- the cannon, there is a crossword, and they solve the crossword. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that then mm. solves the clue. Maybe there's a key under there. Maybe there's an old man who says, thanks for getting that cannon off me. Have a million mm. dollars. You yeah. know, Thinking of places to hide keys tends to be pretty crucial in and my this, experience. And, so this is, and that is effectively a nice environmental puzzle. Yeah, exactly. And you may at some point think, rather than just they go to where the matches are, they go to where the gunpowder is, maybe obtaining matches or gunpowder involves another maybe that's where a puzzle puzzle fits in yeah as long as they are aware the whole time that this lingering goal in the back of their mind is i wanted matches didn't i yes oh yeah and all went so that when they or they find the matches somehow and then they suddenly go oh now i can fire that cannon and they run off to fight you know it's that Mm. moment of hey wait this connects to that thing i was doing earlier yeah or if they found the matches already because they didn't look at the cannons when they next look at the cannons they think can i fire the cannon i have those matches from earlier which people did with, uh, in episode 14 again, those cup cells that were used <laughs> for a huge amount of things. They kept finding things they needed cups for. Or or once they found the cups, they thought, oh, now I can go back and do that mm. thing that I needed a cup for. So yeah. environmental puzzles work quite well, especially when people have an expectation based on something in the environment. Yeah, the funny part is trying to design your room around that. So, like, you would say, oh, they found the cannon, so they're going to want to find matches versus they found matches and then later they find the cannon and know what to do with it. Mm. It's interesting because one tends to be inherently more fun than the other. <laughs> so you want your players to, <laughs> to go a do certain one direction, first yeah. and it's not always possible. Yes. I mean, that's a pretty basic, like, that's the general way you build these things up. Mm. Yeah, I wish I could give more specific advice, but I feel like I've, in general, covered everything that ever goes through my head while Mm. I'm doing this. I suppose this is also where you can build in a lot of character. I know for certain rooms there have been notes from people that tell us how to interact with certain objects Mm. or tell us, go back and re-look at this thing. When we're looking at coats, for example, we look at, in in episode six, 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 where we were looking at coats, we had certain notes that indicated what's missing from the coat and then or, or, and then we found the tags on them that had names that had food inside of them or yeah. things like this so having notes allows you to both change the way a person will interact with a certain piece of environment as well as bring in more character have words have characters exist in these notes yeah it's always fun because having npcs is it's not too hard in this format where I am utterly in control of everything. In a real room, I've never done one with an NPC in it. I don't think I'd be a fan of it, but it's a lot harder to control. But if you just have notes lying around, as long as it's not too taxing for people to read, then it can be a fun way to make it more immersive and bring people into this world that you've created. Mm. All right. So in general, that's how you would build these puzzles up. The general principle of a room. You can build individual puzzles, tie them into the environment, and you can also have pure environmental interaction and 
really make it piecemeal. Think of all the things you would need to do something and then spread them out a little, maybe hide them behind puzzle puzzles. Um, or, or, or you set up barriers to get them. In episode five, for example, there was a mouse and some thorns and some gloves and all of these things that tied together. You couldn't get the, you couldn't let the, get the mouse out unless you had the thorns. You couldn't get the thorns unless you had the glove. You couldn't get the glove unless you had previously solved a puzzle puzzle mm-hmm. that got you to this glove. So you build the chains by breaking apart a sequence of events and putting those in different locations. That room is actually probably the best example of puzzle puzzles mixed with environmental puzzles. They worked quite well. A lot of those notes that were left had word puzzles in them. What are the missing words here? What do they mean? The cuckoo clock that was chiming at certain times and you Mm. had to connect that to the Roman numerals that were on it. Yes, so they're quite good. So in terms of of linking those things together. Yeah, I think that that's probably the best example that I've got of a room that mixes all of the things in. But yes, so... It's kind of hard to give more specific advice in this sort of context Mm. without knowing... The the specifics come from what room you're building or what you... The specifics come from within. (laughs) Uh, And they'll be set to a a certain kind of setting. For example, I'm not going to come up with a puzzle about firing cannons unless I know that I'm on a pirate ship. Mm. So again, with any of this sort of stuff... If you want any extra advice or if you have stuff that you're partway through making and you want feedback on it. We can help or at least lead you to people much more qualified than us to help. Yeah, exactly. So send us an email, escapethispod at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at escthispodcast. Check us out on Facebook. Just search Escape This Podcast and there should be a page for us. Mail it to us, but we're not going to give you our address. So that's the true puzzle. Um <laughs> It's been hidden surreptitiously. One line of our street and and address has been in each episode so far. Um, But yes, or if you just have any questions or just want to get in touch, send us an email, tweet, etc. I think that's everything. This should be our last bonus episode before new real rooms come out. I say that, but you never know. I might have a cool idea of a bonus episode I want to do. Um, So we'll probably see everyone again in February. See you then! Woo! You made it through the bad times, you made it through the good, you always knew you could.